Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts, Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. The great man in Australia, but he's really Kiwi through and through, and he joins us every Friday just after two. It's Jeremy Paul. Welcome in. Oh, you know, bro. <laughs> kia ora, kia ora. How are you, my man? How um, are you, Vano? Yeah, they're all good. They're all good. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you with a it wasn't really a question for you. We were talking about the excitement of the Six Nations. I'm actually genuinely, I'm not just saying, I'm genuinely excited for the Six Nations. International rugby's back. Top two teams in the world are France and Ireland. I think it's going to be fantastic. Someone says uh, here, Brian texted and said, I hate to say it, but the bloody Brumbies were innovative and good to watch Back in their heydays, they had a variety of moves that reminded me of the Aller Brothers era for the Wallabies. And someone said that they heard that, well, I I actually said, back in your days, did the backline used to walk through moves and so it imprinted into their mind? So when it became a running thing, they sort of knew the avenues and everything they were doing. Did you used to walk through moves? Oh, absolutely. Look, we, we, so we, we brought in, um, in around that time, around 99, so when Eddie Jones took over in 98, um, there's a transition of older players to younger players. We also had a good group of young players come through. Um, and then, obviously, that balance of, of youth and experience, like where we had the Gregans, Larkhams, Roths, those sort of players. And then in 2000, it was like we sort of touched on it in 99, but then in 2000, we brought in what was called the sequence plays. So... We would say, for example, we'd be at training and we'd go, okay, we got a penalty in our own half. We kick for a line out. We got a line out 35 metres out. What play are we going to run? So in terms of the sequence play, it started at the set piece. So if it was either a scrum or a line out, we would walk to that line out and we'd go, okay, how much? Then the next point of the call was um, how many numbers in the line out, which then would determine what type of pl- sequence play we would run. Now, these sequence plays would run for three phases. So everyone knew what their jobs were in terms of running the ball, cleaning out, and where to be. So we could manipulate the defence and put them where we wanted to put them. Then after the third phase, we would then go to un- ad-lib footy. We'd go to unstructured footy mm-hmm. where we knew the defences would probably be. So, yeah, walking through, we'd walk through it. Like, we'd go, okay, we've got a line out here. We've got a scrum midfield here. What player are we going to call? So the leaders of the team would then know the structure of the call. So we'd call five-man this or seven-man this. Um, or we'd go, okay, we've got a left field scrum, we'd call this play. So we knew the forwards need, knew they needed to get around the corner twice. And to be able to make sure that we players knew exactly where to be for those sort of first three phases, yeah, we'd walk through that all the time and go, okay, if this happens here, and we'd also put in contingencies, like if this happened here, 
then what would be your role? Um, no, our detail was was quite amazing, actually. Do you feel like there's a lack of that? Because I do, a lack of that, particularly from set piece, because you know exactly where the opposition are, you know exactly where you are, and you come from a static starting point. And it just seems like, and you've got a better rugby brain than me, is it rush defence destroy set piece um, set moves because I, I just, particularly with the Albany, I just don't seem to see any. We saw a few with Ireland, and it was so refreshing. This wave of green and people—it was like an orchestrated bunch of tadpoles in a in a fish tank. They all knew what exactly <laughs> what each other was doing. I just don't feel like I see it as much. Well, look, you can structure the stuff off, and I think Australia then got too structured with regards to like these type of sequence plays um, and didn't work on the ad-lib footy afterwards. There has to be a fine balance. Um, and, look, New Zealand rugby haven't traditionally really done that, but when you look at how the Crusaders play, they definitely have a lot of structure about them. But the, the difference with Ireland and what I love about where they take in the game is it's – it mirrors rugby league in terms of those blocker runners, but everyone knows their job. So when you talk about upskilling players from one to 15, like, you know, having props and hookers or second rowers running those very, very hard lines where they are actually attracting the defenders. And that's very difficult to organize and phase play. So there's this, there's this real fine balance of structure, but the way to structure things when you're on the field is is purely everyone knowing their roles, but everyone also knowing, um, like you can't just structure it where you go, okay, props, all you're doing is just running the dummy line. That's it. They also need to be the ones to be able to pass the ball. They also need to be the ones running underneath to collect the ball. So when you're looking at those sort of structured plays, um, particularly in phase play, um, after your sort of set piece, about three phases after your set piece, because then it just turns into a smozzle, right? Like you've seen teams just pick and driving from the back because <laughs> it looks like they have no idea what to do or players aren't putting themselves into positions. And and a lot of that comes back to the, the I suppose, the, the player, their individual player and their, and their level of skill, um, but then also your leaders. So... The, the three things, and look, a lot of coaches out there that might listen to the show, look, the three things you look for um, for identification of talent, right, like or how you would like review your team, the, the very first one is position specific. So from 1 to 15, so take a hooker. His position, he needs to throw the ball, needs to scrummage, and obviously everyone needs to be able to run and tackle. But if he can't do those things, then he's not doing his job in terms of a hooker. So those are the things you would work on. Then once you can do your position specific, the next one is the time and space they create for themselves and the time and space they create for players around them. Because when you get to that part, that means you're taking care of your own job. But then you're able to organise yourself on the run because as you get higher man to an all-black test, for example, your time is limited. Like it all happens in milliseconds. So if they're able to not only create time and space for themselves, but then have the time and ability to create time and space around them for players, that means you've got a hell of a player. And then the third one is X factor. So if, you know, if there's a kid with extraordinary pace or hot feet, like Roger Tuovasashek feet, or they can kick a, a, a ball 60 metres, those are the three identifying factors of identification and how you can review players. So if you've got those three, those three things amongst your players, you can then create multi-phases and have this 
kind of structure and ad lib footy. So hopefully that uh, hopefully that explains it. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Um, <clears throat> and I quite like talking rugby and food because it, we talk more holistically. We've, we've done a heap of Six Nations on the show today, and we had a BBC commentator. They are very excited for the Six Nations this year, and I am. And I think it's because the top two teams in the world are – in it and we're going to see some fantastic rugby couple of new coaches and Warren Gatland and Steve Borthwick um do you get excited for the Six Nations oh mate to be honest not really like um look it it is a good competition please don't get me wrong but it's also sort of coincides when super rugby and and Mm. um obviously our own test footy as well but um no I do look I it, it is an interesting competition for this year. I normally do watch it every four years because, you know, you, you've got the hot favourites in terms of France. It'll be interesting to see how they play um, because the pressure of having a World Cup at home is immense. Like, it is absolutely immense. So they'll start feeling that now and they'll be going into this tournament as favourites. Ireland, I think still everyone still thinks Ireland is is... Yes, they came down, and I think they think it was just a fluke. They went down to New Zealand last year and won a <laughs> test series. I think they will be the surprise packets. Like they have, they have got themselves in. <laughs> Actually, I was talking. I caught up with Todd Ikefu last week. We we caught up for a couple of days. Uh, we did a charity dinner together, and I said, "Mate, what's what's happening with you with the Rugby World Cup?" I said, "Who's in your pool?" And he goes, "South Africa." Ireland, Scotland, and Romania. <laughs> I was just like, oh, what? And I actually said, to, I said, man, I reckon you should target South Africa. Like, I, I think, I think Ireland is 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 the dark horse here. I think they they play an expansive game. Watch that New Zealand Test series, man. That's how footy should be played now. And I think that's that's like what we did with the Brumbies back in the sort of early two thousands and how we kind of changed the game in Australia. I think Ireland are doing the same. So it'll be interesting to see how Ireland and France go in this, and then England, right? They're a big powerhouse, and we need. For world rugby, we need England to be competitive, and it'll be interesting to see how. But what, what I, it's an old saying, but like with change, like change brings change, and so by bringing in a new coach, there's new environment. Everyone's back to 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 square one. They're all back to the to the start. So a new coach will come in with new ideas, but he also will have different opinions of players. So players who felt that they might have been secure under Eddie Jones or being one of Eddie Jones's sort of whipping boy, that all changes under Steve Borthwick. And actually, I've got a cool little story about Steve. When he played his first test, it was in, uh, it was in Australia and they came down and he, he was in his first test match and I was having an absolute shocker with the ball mate like trying to trying to throw the ball and it was horrible it was i couldn't hit the side of a barn door that night and steve borthwick was playing his first test and he 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 mouthed to me he said oh come on paul you're hopeless like this one and i turned around and i said mate who are you like i don't even know your name like no one came here to watch you mate like I might have put in a few swear words too. And then he just went quiet. And then it wasn't until about seven or eight years later, we caught up after a test match and he said, mate, you got me. Like I couldn't, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't say another word. I didn't know what to do. Like, it's like, and I was like, yeah, well, you should shut your mouth, shouldn't you? Like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Amazing. I want, I want to do a quick departure before we let you get back to work. Um, the NRL have this collective bargaining agreement. It's a bit of a standoff between Clint Newton and the players, uh, Valandis and Andrew Abdo from the NRL. We sort of feel like we're in the dark. It's only the players' union and the, and the players' collective talking. NRL aren't saying boo. For goodness sake, we've got the Indigenous game, um, All-Stars game next weekend, uh, and you can hear the commentary on SCNZ if it goes ahead. Did you ever have any bargaining agreements or player power issues during your career? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, I was actually on the board. I was on the executive board of the Rugby Union Players Association. So um, actually one of the loveliest things ever said, actually, like I, I was – very humbled with this was our president um who was the rupa president for 16 years the players association president or ceo sorry for 16 years he said three guys changed the game in his 16 years john eels george gregan jeremy paul because as the executive board we had to stand in front of our players and it was always for the betterment of the players and in the 03 world cup when we stole it from new zealand remember we stole that no no i I don't think we played in that one yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, I know you lost in the semi, but um, but but because of the ground rights, right, and the signage. Anyway, uh, John O'Neill, who was the CEO at the time, he um, he obviously was under a lot of pressure by the RB to sign these participation agreements, which was so prehistoric. Like they, the, the IRB wanted to take all intellectual property off players, and so and and the PlayStation games were pretty new around those times and they were doing the, the Sony PlayStation World Rugby game. And so they wanted to take all the rights of players and we said, no, like we're not signing these agreements because they're just players. It wasn't for everyone. It was only probably for a half a dozen players that could actually earn a bit of coin from it. But in terms of, of a players association and standing up, we took a stand and we said no. And like the fights that happened with that, like I remember he came to Coffs Harbour for the World Cup and he said, if you beep, don't sign this, I'm going to pick 30 more players and stormed out. And so like there was a few players actually that surprised me, a few older players that said, mate, I'm just going to sign it because I want to play in the World Cup. And I was like, no, stop. What other 30 players is he going to get? Like, well, this is like, <laughs> we're the top 30 players here. And all the work that all the previous players associations members and executive boards had done to get us to this point in terms of the collective bargaining agreement and our negotiating will be completely lost we have to stay strong here and within two weeks they changed it so look this is an unfortunate part of the game we saw baseball remember when baseball struck they they went on strike for a whole season um there has to be look there, there, there has to be negotiations here and there has to be – and it's always about where you sit in the game. Like our, our Rugby Union Players Association pretty much has to sort of bend over really because we're not in a position to be able to bargain. When you have a strong position in terms of playing and you're winning, you deserve more percentage of, of the revenue. Um, and where they are currently with the rugby league at the moment, like there's a lot of things they're trying to negotiate and stick to your guns, boys. Like that's, this is it. Like they can't do anything out with it without the players. And this is part of negotiations. It, it um, Hopefully it doesn't get ugly, but yeah, man, there's some real back, like, 
in the boardroom backdoor sort of arguments and and things that a lot of players don't know and they've just got to trust their their elected officials that represent them on the board and trust the board and if they all are are in it together they'll get a result Mm. brilliant jp fascinating insights today really enjoyed our chat today um we'll do it all again next friday buddy thanks for coming on again Anytime, bro. I can't wait, man. Yeah, let's preview the NRL, man. There's some good players that have swapped. I've got a couple of roughies for you. So, Oh, tune in next Friday. Wait. Yeah, can't wait for that, bro. Let's right, go. Catch up. See you, mate. Jerry Paul Show every Friday uh, between 2 and 2.30. Back after a break.